You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Family Feud Podcast. Uh, we have a nice little intro. We don't have to do stupid voices anymore, Shotgun. How exciting whoa, is that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't call my voices stupid to begin with, but the intro's dope. Yeah, I like it. Uh... But uh, you can feel free to do your weird voices if you still want to. Uh, I'll throw them in occasionally. Okay. We're coming off a, a thriller, a double overtime victory, USC versus Texas, heading into Cal on Saturday. Uh, any thoughts to start off? I think it was my first overtime game. Me too. Collegiate overtime game, at least. Uh, it was a fun one. I mean, celebrities on the sideline, you know, that's what USC's been synonymous with during the Pete Carroll run and everything, and it's kind of was damp- dampered by the uh, damp in the moon with the sanctions and people didn't want to come around as much, but now a little bit more excitement and McConaughey on the sideline. Ryan friend Abraham, of the show now. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Abraham's best friend now, I think. Uh, you know, a couple other people on there. I talked to Roger Clemens for a little bit. Uh, you know, so it was fun. It was great atmosphere, sellout, even though the weird, not really a sellout number, but they said it was a sellout. I still haven't figured that part out. But you know, USC did enough to win. You know, there's some areas they can improve definitely. Uh, but they found a way. That guy, that 14 guy, is pretty good on offense. Achille Ross, I know. No, just oh, yeah, that, yeah, he's pretty good on defense. You know, He may have a chance to play this week, but uh, Sam Darnold was pretty special. Pretty good. Pretty good, I'd say. Yeah, he, he's unique talent. But it was surreal because I definitely watched double overtime games, but I never covered them. And it was just like, okay, here we go. This is what like. I had a feeling that I should charge my extra battery, and I'm really glad I did. Also, shout out to Alicia. She gave me her phone charger during the game, so I was able to still tweet. <laughs> So, you got you got to become prepared. You got to charge during the game. I, I was charging stuff I running back charging, and forth. I was charging, but she had me let me have my phone with me. So shout out to her. It's nice to have friends. Uh, it is. Uh, also, thanks to the random people that shouted at me from the Coliseum floor. Uh, a lot of people shouted at me that they liked the podcast. <laughs> thanks to you guys. Well, so, first I thought you meant like cat calls. I don't know. No, as a big no. brother, I was going to go beat somebody up. Yeah, you definitely would have if that was the case. I wouldn't have been a fan of that. No, but people were uh, yelling at me and saying hi to me. And, uh, saying the podcast was nice, so thank you. Sorry that I'm awkward when you yell at me. I don't know how to handle that. <laughs> it's not very good with compliments. Uh, it's, not, it's not one of our, our strong points, is no. handling compliments. Apparently not. Okay, let's get into it. Stock up, stock down. First segment, who do you got? Stock up. Stock up, Tyler Vons. You know, he played after the Jalen Green uh, in unfortunate through the hands pick six. He took over and played uh, three-to-one ratio of plays until the very end when Stephen Mitchell had to come out of the game. Uh, he kind of stepped in and took over that spot. We'll see if that continues this week. You know, you got to earn your play during the week as well. I thought he played okay as far as, you know, he caught the ball, he had an opportunity to get, win the game and kind of solidify. You're, if you catch that ball, you're automatically the starter. Come on. That's yeah. automatic. Yeah. Uh, but he couldn't come down with it. It was very interesting to me just, just on that one play. They reviewed so much stuff in the game. Why they didn't review that one at all? Which, you know, I tweeted that and I didn't see that the ball had come out. But I still thought, even if the ball did come out, that it should have been reviewed. Um, and that was one of them that didn't. And a lot of people tweeted at me, oh, it's definitely out or whatever. Well, they they reviewed the fumble in the first half. Like, when do you ever review a fumble when it's obvious, you know, whether it's when the fumble is obvious that it's a fumble, when do you review who recovered it in the middle of a scrum? Besides Stevie Tuikolovatu, which is the which was the dumbest review ever in the the, uh, the Rose Bowl game, and they gave that one back because the guy had his hand on it, which is a dumb play. But you know that one they reviewed that, and then they didn't review this near catch for a game winner. Uh, but you know it was exciting, and, and give credit to those guys for for finding a way to win, and Tyler Vaughn for stepping up there. 
Oh, you said Tyler Petit. No, Tyler Vons. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Because I was going to say. listen. Uh, apparently so. Um, do you think Tyler Vons gets a, more of a, big, a role this Saturday? I mean, he played 51 snaps of offense in that game. Uh, that's by far his, his highest in his three-game career. Um, but I think that he takes over as a starter to begin with. You know, Stephen Mitchell's injury will definitely play into that too, whether yeah. or not Jalen Green is in. Maybe they're on different sides, him and Tyler Vons. Uh, but if Mitchell's not able to go, then, and also Joseph Lewis is nicked up, Depends on if Michael Pittman comes back. You know, the, the wide receiver position is a little bit in flux right now as far as who's going to get the snaps this weekend because we don't know exactly who's going to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, stock up, kind of the obvious one. Uh, Michael Castillo came out to me after the game and was like, hey, I think I have a stock up for you. Uh, Chase McGrath. Uh, he was a little bit uh, – I stole it from you. Is that why you're rolling your eyes? No, oh. he's just a for sure stock okay, up. Okay, yes. I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, go. Uh, it, two or three. He got a little flack coming into fall camp. Uh, we, as reporters, were seeing what everyone else was seeing. It wasn't too too great. And then he comes in, makes the last the kick in the the regulation to tie the game. Then the game winner. And then he gets into the presser at the end of uh uh with Clay Helton and Nuosu and Darnold, and it's stone cold. He was just like, "It's what I do." So he's a gamer. He's, he's a, gamer. a gamer. You know, he, you know, he struggled some in practice, and we're kind of concerned about the kicking game going into the season. Him and Michael Brown, neither one of them really won the job. You know, just outright, just outplayed the other one. Just kind of back and forth, like, uh, maybe they'll just go for it a lot, uh, which USC did in this game, did not succeed. Uh, but when he was out there, I mean, he missed the first one, it was 46 yards. If they don't have a, I believe it was a penalty right before that, then, you know, it's five yards closer. Or it, was, it was something in that regard. Uh, the back the play up, and if it's five yards closer, then it goes in because he kind of hooked at the end, last in it. So you know, having your first kick be a forty-six yarder is tough, uh, but get, he you know bounced back from that and was ice in his veins, ice as Ronald Jones said. He's like, yeah, I knew he was gonna make it. I didn't look, but I knew he was gonna make it. <laughs> yeah, everyone when we asked everyone if they watched it or not, a lot of people were like, oh, it's closing my eyes, but uh, good for him. <laughs> Ronald Jones said, that, you know, he didn't watch in the Rose Bowl when, when Bormeister's game winner went through. He, did, he said he didn't watch this one. He said, I'm two for two. Oh wow! So whatever works, I guess. Who yeah. you got? More stock up. Uh, Sam Darnold's clutch gene. <laughs> yeah. And also Sam Donald's processor. I mean, we talked a little bit on the Facebook Live about how he dissected, or we dissected the play, the jump pass. The jump pass. The jump pass. I mean, it's already got, it's kind of got a name. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's a big enough game, and it wasn't like a game winner, so I don't think it'll live in the lore of fourth and nine or bush push or anything yeah. like that. Um, however, you know, he's, he knows he has a, a hot rusher coming from the left. Um, he, he knows he's going to have that pressure coming, so he steps up in the pocket, but then his center's getting pushed back. He decides, you know what, that defensive lineman's a big dude. You know, I don't want to try to throw it flat-footed, and maybe he knocks it down or something. I'll jump up and, and try to you know, clear some space for myself to throw. But then Stephen Carr is not even looking at when he's, when he's up in the air, so he's like, you know what, I'll just, I'll just float a little bit more for Stephen Carr. And the way he said it, all of it uh, – after the game and then on Tuesday, he's just so like it is like, yeah, so I just decided that I would, you know, just loft it a little bit to give him a little bit more time to turn his head around. Stephen Carr said he turned his head around. There it was. Uh, he made a great catch. And uh, that, that play call just in the beginning with, they split out everyone basically wide to open up the middle of the field. And you got Ronald Jones one-on-one with that with a linebacker and he beats the linebacker. And maybe that's something we see 
prior to Daniel Immortal Bebe coming back, maybe that's something that they do more of is try to get Stephen Carr in the middle of the field and get him one-on-one opportunities that way. You know, I think they, they really have a lot of confidence in that kid, and it's only going to grow with how he's caught the ball so far. Mm-hmm. That play was originally with Velas, though, right? Before yeah, Texas called the timeout? Yeah, Velas came out and was in the backfield, and then they called a timeout. And, you know, I think that Texas switched up their defense because they saw that Velas was no longer in. And, you know, that was something that the USC wanted to kind of get that middle matchup. Uh, but instead of Velas, it was Stephen Carr, and Stephen Carr made it work. Okay, what so, else you got? So my stock up is kind of obvious, but I also have a hot take with it. I'm going to say Deontay Burnett. Um, especially, hot take. <laughs> Where's it coming? Especially with uh, Stephen Mitchell, if he's questionable, then it puts more pressure on Deontay to be that guy because we don't necessarily know who's going to be that second receiver step up if Stephen Mitchell is down. But my hot take is that USC is not 3-0 without Deontay Burnett. Now, that's not a knock on Sam Darnold because obviously, like we said, Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold. You can't have that winning drive without him. But if you go back through the first three games, there are catches that Deontay makes that are just ridiculous. They're either to the side of him, they're almost touching the ground, but he catches it. There's clutch, they're down plays where they just go to Deontay Burnett and he manages to make the play. I I think that, especially with the state of the wide receivers, without Deontay Burnett, they're not 3-0 right now. Now, on the flip side... Cause you know I like to give flip side, and this is where me and Dan, you know, getting our arguments of price and stuff. Because I like to give the opposite opinion, and just to see, you know, look at all sides of it. On the flip side, if the other receivers are catching the regular balls, then maybe Deontay Burnett, you know, isn't as necessarily as valuable in that regard. Uh, so I think he's kind of balancing out some of the balls that should be caught by making some of these ridiculous catches, and yeah. just the the. Uh, the wherewithal that he and Sam Darnold and Darnold knows where he's going to be. I mean, the first touchdown pass, 15-yard touchdown, he dives and makes a catch. Go back and look at that play. Everybody on the podcast, take a minute, go back, and when they show the spider cam view of that, look at when Sam Darnold releases the ball. You can't see Deontay Burnett on yeah, the on the footage. That was unreal. Because he's behind the DB, he's right beside the goalpost, and Sam's like, all right, I see an open space, I'll throw it there. Deontay's going to go get it, and he does. That's the thing that keeps amazing me is is – how Darnold leads the receiver. Like, he just trusts them and is like, boop, put the ball, and then somehow they get there. I love saying the word anticipatory throw, uh, which Sam Darnold is so good at. And that's one of the issues, I think, with some of the receivers that he doesn't have that same uh, rapport with is that sometimes they're turning their head and not getting their head around quick enough, or the ball's there, you know, it's getting on them quick. They have to know that it's coming and it's going to be there and be ready for it. And... Even if you don't think you're open, Sam Darnold might throw you open. So how much of that is working with the second team and then suddenly you're with Sam Darnold and he's a different thrower? Does that play into that? Where they're I think not definitely because I don't think any of the other quarterbacks, maybe in the nation, are throwing the same type of passes that Sam Darnold are throwing. For example, the Tyler Petit drop on the, the the fourth down play, he throws it in a spot where only Tyler Petit can get to it and it's away from the defender because the defender is right on Tyler Petit's hip. Now, if USC's receivers were getting some extra separation, maybe you know he doesn't have to make such fine throws, and maybe they're easier to catch. But because the, the, some of these are tight windows he's thrown into, he does such a great job of putting the ball where the receiver can catch it and then possibly make a move afterwards. For example, on that fourth down, you know, if Petit catches the ball to his right, the, the DB is coming, the safety, I believe, that's on him, was coming in front of him to try to knock the ball away. Maybe he catches the ball and spins and picks up another 10 yards on it uh, just because of the, the ball placement there, but you got to catch it first. Mm-hmm. Another uh, stock up, i got Uchenna Nwosu and Porter Augustin pain tolerance. Oh, that's good. 
Both of those guys playing on banged up on one leg, as I called it in the participation uh, chart. Uh, Porter Gustin played, and you know if he was hurt and he was in a lot of pain, he did really good with that pain because two of his last three plays were sacks uh, by himself, and the third one was a sack by where he had a good rush and someone else got there. And your Chinnawosu. Uh, had a knee injury. We didn't really know it during the game. You can see it when you look at the tape afterwards. He's kind of hopping. He's not able to you know, cut on his left leg, but he still played through it and was still beating guys. He's just a beast back there. He's beating guys with it, regardless of the fact that he was on one leg and not able to kind of cut off that left leg. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Porter Gresson going with a Kurt Schilling bloody sock. Still pulling it out, doing a, doing a game performance. Uh, maybe. That, that's what I thought of, but whatever. You don't get my references again, but that's cool. I get the reference. I get the bloody sock reference, but... <laughs> Whatever. My stock up is Valus Jones as a kick returner. Just because, it, I guess in this game specifically, he averaged 30 yards on two kicks, which is your fun fact of the of the game, might I add. Five scores, only two kick returns. No, right? kickoffs. Kickoffs, thank you. Sorry. This this is irrelevant then. <laughs> um, but both, he set up USC... To score. I mean, it wasn't like the best return, but going how special teams has been lately, it was a good enough momentum to set up the team. One before the, the, uh, Rojo touchdown before the end of the half and then, uh, setting up the 39 second drive. Well, the first one is huge because if he doesn't get out to the 35, if he either the ball bounces and they take it out to 25, or if he returns it to the 18 yard line, well, the first play they do is, okay, we'll give Ron Jones an opportunity to run the ball. See if he can make something happen. Rojo picks up six yards. If you're at the 24 yard line, you don't even try the Hail Mary. If you're yeah. at the, uh, if you get to the 25 and you're at the 31, you probably still don't try it. The reason why they even lined up to potentially try the Hail Mary is because Sam Darnold could throw it that far. The yeah. Bayless Jones throw, uh, the one that bounced off his face mask, you know, it would have been a 50 yard gain in the wow. air. Wow. And so that means Sam Darnold was another at least seven, eight yard, 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage to begin with. So he can throw it at least 50 yards. 60 yards probably on that throw. Uh, so you're hoping to get it near the end zone. They got it out. He got it, I believe, to the 34, 35, and then they got six yards. Or what, Rojo's was a 56-yarder, is that correct? I believe so. 56, so they were on a 38 to start with, and he got six yards, so it was on the 44 to get the 56-yard. So 44, you're like, okay, now we got an opportunity to throw it to the end zone. So if he doesn't return that out to the 38, they're just saying, ah, well, okay, take a knee or whatever, we'll go to the halftime, which is something that a lot of people were saying they should have done before the first touchdown uh, for Texas the other way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who you got for a up? That's it. Our, 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 I got run defense. You know, Texas coming in was The average- defense as a whole. True, but the run defense in particular, yeah, Texas no. averaging 252 yards coming in, and we're hitting all about these 6'2", 250-pound backs and all that, and they had 68 yards on the ground. And most of that was, I thought some of that was the quarterback. So uh, him getting out of the pocket and, and doing some stuff and some of the runs that they had uh, designed for him as well. Yeah, I had uh, Jordan Isefa. Uh He filled in pretty well for John Houston. So much so that maybe John Houston has to fight for that spot back. Um, and Christian Rector. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I didn't even put him on a list because I just figured you would put him on the list because he was so good. <laughs> I thought you were. Yeah, no, for sure. And he he was telling me uh, this week that he was so exhausted. He was like, oh, I got that, that fumble, but I was so tired. People were so excited and like hitting me and blah, blah. And he was like, I just wanted to get the bench. I was so tired. I didn't care. <laughs> I just wanted to sit down. So that will, over time, we'll do that to people. Do you know the most underrated part of his game on Saturday? No. The block he threw... So that Jene Harris could recover that fumble. 
Not only does he strip the fumble, but it's uh, out there, and he could go for it. He could try to dive on it. Instead, there was a Texas guy there. He shoves the Texas guy and roll, like kind of rolls over in a, in a, a pile with that guy while Ajene Harris scoops it up. Wow, trusting your teammates. And just I'll being smart enough to, I mean, maybe Ajene said, I got it or whatever it may be, but you know, just to sense that there was somebody else there, and instead of going for it yourself, to, to trust your teammate to get it. Mm-hmm. Stock down? Stock down. Kerry Angeline. Oh. Is that still yours? No. Oh, I was just it. like, it was just like, Poor Carrie. <laughs> I just want to steal your, your thunder. Oh. Uh, but Carrie Angeline, you know, just not getting the game. He didn't He got a DMP, coach's decision DMP. Uh, he was dressed, and they decided not to go with him. And he's Fine. a guy that, you know, when they were struggling to, to make some plays, maybe he's a guy over the middle that we think can, can do some different things than Tyler Petit or some of the other tight ends uh, outside of Daniel Amorta-Bebe. So I, I thought that that's a guy that they should have had in there to, to possibly give Sam Darnold an option on those third down plays. Mm-hmm. Obviously, stock down for Jalen Green. Um, you could tell after the interception at the half uh, when he came back, just it was Tyler Vaughn's over him. What was the ratio you said in your participation? Three to one. Time? Three Until to one. Until the last five plays where when both Steven of them got were. hurt. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I think if Stephen Mitchell is healthy and you see him on Saturday, then you'll see Tyler Vaughn's over Jalen Green. But you might have to see Jalen Green just because Stephen Mitchell's hurt. We saw um, Pittman, Green, and Burnett and Vaughn's all working with the first team this week. So. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, and I mean, Jalen Green, you know, he said he's not listening to the outside noises. He, he knows that people are talking about it, but he, he's just got to step up, and, you know, he's as down on himself as anyone else is because he knows that he's got to catch those balls. And he did catch the one earlier in the game, made a nice catch, and picked up 23 yeah. yards, I think, on a play. Uh, so he's not listening to those, but he knows that, you know, he said, I, I've got to pick it up and, and uh, show up to the party, basically, is what he said. He's got to make my, I got to make my plays, simple things like that. That's what he said. Show up to the party. The the catch party against, here, here's a quote from him. The catch against Texas was something I catch every day. Every ca- I catch it in my sleep. Wow. You and can you can kind of hear the the pain in that that quote. Yeah. He um he knew it immediately. He grabbed his helmet and was like. Well, he knew that he had to drop, and he grabs his helmet and he kind of turns his head and he's like, "Oh, that's oh, even worse. That's that's not what you want." Uh, stock down. I feel kind of bad about this, especially because he's a true freshman, Andrew Voorhees, just because. You saw the drop-off when Chuma had to leave the game. Just he couldn't really handle that Texas D-line. Granted, that's a good D-line. There's big boys. But uh, I just don't I, – I, I just think you, you saw the drop-off. I think that he we were kind of high on him coming off of Stanford and then the random plays that he had to come in and, and sub for people. But I think you definitely saw that freshman side kind of showing when, when Chuma had to come out. Now, he contributes to mine as an offensive line stock down mm, okay. overall. Just because it, coming off the, the high of the Stanford game, uh, just to kind of get beat in the way they did by by Texas with some of those quick slants and some of the quickness that they used, uh, you know, I just was was not expecting them to, to perform uh, as poorly as they did. Yeah, especially coming off of the Stanford game. I this is why I don't like the beginning of the season because you always try to grab. What part of the season do you prefer? Uh, well, I mean, okay, <laughs> let me explain myself, Go please. Because it. It, you try to grab references as to where. You, your quote-unquote team is um so you go off of okay they had a great game against stanford blah blah stanford goes and loses to san diego state yeah and then so then you go like well was that a great performance by the o-line you know you you start to question all that and you can't gain any any knowledge based on how other teams are so that's my gripe yeah i think you know some of it was schematic um you know they were overload blitzes and stuff by texas and they didn't shift well to that some zone blitzes dropping out alignment and, and leaving there would be an offensive lineman I, I know one play in particular the the sack that Sam Darnold got you know kind of roughed up on um 
you had three interior linemen blocking one guy, and a linebacker comes a little bit later and goes by the interior lineman and was able to the one that were actually able to make the sack, Anthony Wheeler. I got one more stock down. I got the red zone offense. Mm, yeah. One field goal, one touchdown, and four tries. I mean, that's just that's not acceptable. You have to get punch the ball in the end zone, and if if all else fails, at least get the three points out of it. Yeah, there was one where I was I was looking at how far away the ball was, and it was literally like just a, a little a little smidge, and they couldn't get in. So, as in the the goal line play, yeah. The one, hole, of the, and one of the I said on the Facebook Live the hole was there, but you know the defensive end did a nice job crossing Tyler Petit's face, and it looked like Eric Cromanhook actually kind of knocked him, the defensive end, into the hole and kind of shut shut the hole uh, for Ronald Jones before he had a chance to get through. Mm-hmm. Shall we go to hurt it on the sideline? Do it. Um, <laughs> I learned that overtime sucks for everyone at the game, but especially if you're working it. What? Because okay, let me let me explain. If you're on deadline, yeah, or if you have to. Okay, at the end of halves, or at the end of quarters, there's a large TV timeout that can give you a kind of enough time to go from one end of the field to the other. In overtime. Wait, this is what you complain about? Having time to go to the other end? No, I'm complaining about in overtime. I had to sprint my butt off 100 yards back and forth, and I was dying. It was it was an exhausting time. Uh, have you never seen me on the sideline? Okay, yeah, but... <laughs> But come on, speaking of... I run all the time on the sideline. No, I was in dress no, shoes this don't. week. Yes, no, okay. My feet hurt for three days. I shouldn't have worn dress shoes, but it's a big game. you got to look good. And who's Look good, feel good, oh. report good. Play good. Um, also, speaking of you, you basically had a seizure in the press box of a crimp. <laughs> I thought you were, like, possessed. It was a scary This is thing. how much I was running. Oh, my gosh. It was It was. I scary. got a bad hamstring cramp. I was on the, the three-day DL. I've never seen shotgun in so much pain. It was. I almost fell out of my chair. It was close. You did, basically. It, I had to get up. It was weird. Um, For me, right after the game, um, it was kind of cute. John Houston came up to ISFA and was like, you did it. You did a great job. So very supportive in that position. Um. What, whether John Houston is still supportive now that he might be fighting for that job now that you know I, the competition should be bring out the best in you so you know you want hey. the guys in front of you to see especially if you're injured so then when you come back you got to prove yourself again and I think that's something that John Houston is actually going to have to do other guys that were excited on the sideline Chuma Doga uh, <laughs> he you know he was injured and came out in the second half without uh, his pads on but he was the guy jumping up and going out there when Marvell Tell got the interception. Uh, I think Chuma was the first or second guy on the field. And always, he, he was always jumping up as high as he Chuma could. Chuma is always one of the first people to celebrate, no matter where it is on the field, no matter if it's offense or defense. Chuma is there. Chuma even uh uh, what's that called? Chest bumped Sua on the sidelines after a play. I was about to ask you, who do you think was more excited that game, Chuma or Sua? Okay, that goes into my another point. Thank you for that Go great for transition. It. Sua looked. So happy to be back at USC. Smiling wide as could be. Oh, he looked like he was just at home. He was so happy. And it was really cool because he was really excited to see a JNA. And it looked like Sua had been like almost watching tape of a JNA because he was probably like. Probably had been. Yeah, knowing Sua probably. But he gave him so many tips and he was just like, he was making all these movements and like, no, you got to do this. They were talking for at least like five minutes about like what he needs to do when JNA was like, taking it all in. So. During bit. the game or after the game? No, no, no. During warm-up. Sorry. Oh, that's, I mean, that's really good information uh, to have. I mean, you have an NFL guy who's yeah. played both linebacker and was moved, transitioned into safety before his season was cut short, first by injury and then the exempt list. And, you know, there's a lot of questions. I even got questioned by my girlfriend. Like, what's going on with Sua? I was like, I don't really know. I said hello to him. You know, I asked him how he's doing. He said he was good. 
you know, that's all you can really go, you know, ask for is the guy to, to be happy and healthy. And he was smiling on the sidelines. Yeah. So hope everything works out for him. He yeah. gets back to playing football next year if that's what he desires to do. Yeah, it was nice to see him look at home and look happy, especially with all that we're hearing. Um, it was fun seeing those guys on the sideline. I mean, yeah, it's the guys cool. that, I mean, me and you have kind of grown up with. You know, yeah. we've been here three or four years now. And you see Justin Davis and mm-hmm. Michael Hutchings and Sue and Robert Woods all together. Uh, when I first started, you know, on the USC beat, Robert Woods was. Uh, one of the first guys I kind of connected with a little bit. So it was fun seeing those guys back. And, and you know, that's what those big big atmosphere goes. You get the celebrities and you get the USC celebrities too. You got Matt Lyon, you got Willie McGinnis down there. Yeah. And it was fun. And, you know, I got to see Brandon Carr as well and Mark Tyler before the game, another couple guys uh, from – from those first couple years covering, so you know it's it's always fun seeing that that Trojan family come out and support the you know the guys that are coming after them, uh, and for us to see some of the guys that that we've uh, covered before and see that they're doing well. Yeah, it's funny because they, it's almost like there's no time off. When I see those guys who were a part of you, like you said, we grew up, we grown, we grew up, grew up with. <laughs> um, when I see them in the tunnel, my brain is like, oh, I should interview Sue. And I was like, he didn't play. Like it's just this weird thing where it's just like they're back. Um, also, Celebrity Watch, Becky from Full House was on the sideline. <laughs> and as a Full House watcher, I was very starstruck. This All is- right, so I'm just going to throw this <laughs> random statement out there. Uh, because the Arizona State game is on the road, I am not going to a wedding where John Stamos and the rest of the Fuller House cast may be, uh, and Dave Coulier may be officiating the wedding, from what I've been told. But I'm not going because I'll be on the road covering USC. Interesting. Wow. The life. Welcome to L.A. Welcome I mean, to LA. Everyone has an L.A. story if you've been in the town for at least four years. It's true. Uh, four days. Finally, the Deontay touchdown, the flying one. If you look at my highlights, it looks like Darnold is throwing the ball at me. Like, if if, if Deontay hadn't ca- caught the ball, it would have hit me stru- straight in the head. Because, so, when I'm filming, I don't see, there's no peripheral. I'm just, I'm following Sam, I'm following the ball, and I hear the footsteps, and I'm like, okay, I'm either about to get just, like, killed like just smacked if someone goes out of bounds or anything and I'm staying in the play I don't care like if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and luckily I hear footsteps and all of a sudden Deontay just flies out of nowhere and catches it and I was just like oh wow that was crazy so that was a cool one of the, the, the scariest moments I've had on the sideline uh was actually Robert Woods made a catch at Stanford I think he crossed the field he's coming basically right towards me coming up the sideline I was on the sideline at the time and I'm shooting him shooting photos of him running towards me and I just hear a collision and it's like right by my ear it feels like and it was actually I think it was uh Ronald Johnson you know a crack back block really destroyed a guy and I didn't know how close it was to me I just kind of cringed up and kind of balled up and you know I was down on a knee but I just kind of balled up in case I'm taking the impact luckily it went flying in front of me about like three feet in front of me but I was it, it was such a kind of a, a scary moment for me because you know on the sideline, it can be dangerous. I mean, our own Gerard yeah. Martinez has been injured on the sideline. Brendan Huffman uh, from Scout as well. You know, especially 7-on-7 tournaments can be really <laughs> injury-related injury because, you know, there's so many people just around everywhere. But, you know, when guys are flying around, a big hit, you know, I probably saved a song girl's life, uh, you know, one Arizona State game. You know, she was about to be decked by a guy, and I kind of grabbed his arm and kind of stopped his momentum a little bit and saved her. Uh, so she was very grateful for that. Um, hey. <laughs> I actually knew some of the songgirls at the time because we had done a skit uh, for a TV show I'd done, Dancing with the Songgirls, which is very difficult. Their practices are hard. Yeah, shouts to them. Uh, no, but it, it's definitely, when you're filming or taking pictures, it's almost like, you know how in your cards, like, objects a- appear closer than they are, whatever it says? <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's it's almost like a weird, re- like, surreal perception where you don't really know what's happening until 
it's like too late. Yeah. The best advice I ever got was from Ryan, and he said, if anything happens, just stay still. If you try to move, you're not as athletic as these guys. They'll move around you. Just don't do anything. And so far, knock on wood, it's been uh, uh, successful. I haven't been totally uh, killed on the sideline yet. I'm just hoping if I ever get run into, I become the the line. I mean, the the referee from the I think it was a South Carolina or Arkansas game. That just a quarterback tried to run, and he just like bowed up on him and hit him. And he, uh, he was a linebacker previously, and he just apparently went back to his playing days. So I hope I, snap to I can bow up and hit somebody instead of them running me over. Yeah, make a sports center top ten. I'm going to need it to be somebody very 10? small. It's going to have to be a Dominic Davis. Peanut? Yuffie? Yeah, it's going to have to be somebody like that. Anybody else in Hurt on the Sidelines for you? Uh, no, Matthew McConaughey. But I was someone tweeted me. Did you give him the the Rob Lowe stare? I did not. I played it cool. I didn't get starstruck with McConaughey. So there you go. I learned my lesson. I uh, you know I got, I got an opportunity to talk to Roger Clemens for a minute because you know I, I covered his son at Texas. So they were out here for the Long Beach Regional previously. So I talked to him for a minute, and McConaughey was there. I I really loved the fact that McConaughey was so into the game. You yeah, know, he was really invested, and he he was really kind of emotional about it, and he was living and dying with it. So that was cool uh, to see. One other thing I had heard on the sidelines was from practice this week. You know, everyone's kind of been clamoring about Jamel Cook. Clancy Pendergast was asked about the starting DBs. He said, you know, he's liked the way that Iman Marshall played. He thinks Jack Jack is gaining more confidence, playing better. Uh, And then he was asked, how close are the guys behind him to getting to that threshold where you feel they can contribute? This is a direct quote from him. He said, just kind of depends on through." Depends throughout the course of the game how we feel about the matchups, but I think Langley has done a nice job. He's a guy that, as the season progresses, is going to move a little bit more up to the depth chart. And, of course, Greg, meaning Greg Johnson, has done a great job. I expect him to play more as the season moves on as well. Interesting. No no comment on He made no reference to Jamel Cook. Maybe he forgot about him. That it happens. omission. Uh, but maybe it is also that he does not have that confidence in Jamel Cook as of right now. So a lot of people have been asking about Jamel Cook, you know, especially – uh, they thought that Jack Jones got abused by a six six. I don't think he got abused to begin with. Also, Jack Jones is five eleven. That dude was six six. I know that's their point though. They wanted Jamel Cooks who's six four. But no, but Jamel Cook has never played a down. You're just gonna throw him in he there. He's played and... one down. One oh, down. Okay, thank you, Mr. Participation Chart. But like, <laughs> yeah, he's played one down, and suddenly you think he's like gonna be amazing. I just don't. I just. I, I'm fired up just because I don't understand the logic. Yeah, I don't either, and I don't think that the cornerbacks played bad. I mean, they were on islands for most of the night. You know, Jack Jones, earlier in the season, he was playing, and there was some cloud coverage over him. He had a safety over top where maybe Biggie was, you know, having a you know one-on-one matchup. Whereas this week, it was a lot of one-on-one matchups, even against Colin Johnson. And Colin Johnson had a really good game. Colin Johnson was good. You know, he He's got the, the only advantage. Thing working for Texas. He got the advantage of you know having Iman Marshall slip on the sideline, and he got a 48-yard gain out of that. Uh, so you know, and he made a couple of really nice catches as well. Uh, but also, Jack Jones had made a really nice catch on the interception. So I, I think you got to give credit where credit's due there. And I thought Jack Jones and Iman Marshall played fine. And the way that Clancy's defense worked, the corners are going to get burned sometimes. It's not if you play like the the. If you play the personnel and the, um, you know, what their intention was, was to stop the run, which is what they did, you know, then you're going to take those, you're going to take your matchups on the outside and you're going to say, hey, I think our guys can win enough of these to, to keep us in this game and to win us this game. And they did. They gave up what? How many points did they give up? Not many. Not many. To a Tom Herman team that averaged 40 points. 10 points in regulation. That's, that's good. I, I think that's good. Yeah, they gave up a touchdown in, in overtime. They also caused, uh, 
the fourth turnover of the game in overtime. So yeah, the the gifts that the USC defense gave the USC offense were ridiculous. Um, this is kind of a question for you slash heard on the sideline. Did it seem low key to you this week in practice? It seemed kind of low key, kind of quiet. Um, not. I think maybe that was because you had like sixty four people out, That's so you just don't have as many people to is that a guesstimate? be as loud. Exactly. Guesstimate, just a little okay. bit. I think our actual, what did our updated injury report that we put on the board, I think it had 28 people on it. People were like, it might have been easier for you to list who wasn't injured. But <laughs> if it was on the two deep, maybe. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of guys that are, you know, nicked up. But the good thing is for USC, uh, they've had the only season any injury they've had is to Michael Brown. Fortunately, that's a position where they had somebody else also still working. Um, so they've been fortunate in that regard, whereas Texas, you know, they I don't think they had many small injuries or many knee sprains like USC did that may keep guys out for a week or something, but they had a big knee tear with Connor Williams, their mm-hmm. All-American tackle, uh, so that was a big blow to them. So USC's been fortunate in that regard, but they are also are definitely banged up. Uh, you know, If you get some points on the board early, maybe you can rest some guys and, and you know get a lead and do that, but uh, that that's going to be key for them as they go forward is trying to rest guys when they have opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, keep it, change it. What should USC keep going for? Can we forward? go back to Hurt on this island just for you stabbing me with a pen yesterday? <laughs> I'm sorry. With my own pen that I gave you, and then you've just kind of assumed it's yours now. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> and not just stabbed me with a pen, but also wrote on my, my nice shirt. Okay, Jeez. well, I, no, because I was slapping you saying, oh, you learn something new every day. Because I told, what did I tell you? Earthquakes um, and bricks and Chicago. Oh, yeah, I was teaching you about earthquakes. Also, uh, I taught you about a periodic element. That my phone corrects for Nuosu, which is neodymium. I don't know. Whatever. You neodymium? scientists out there, you know. can correct us. But yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to stab you. Mm, I appreciate and, it. And now we can go to keep it, change it. Uh, when that happened, get that off my chest. When that happened, he was like, oh, I've seen that in the podcast. You little sister. Oh. So, exactly. So, so bringing the content for you guys. Keep it, change it. Shotgun Spratling. Keep it. Wide receiver screen game. It was working really well. I would have went to it even more this game. I mean, I, I thought they Agreed. did good. I know a lot of people get upset. Oh, tunnel screen. Bubble screen. No bubble screen. Don't ever, put, don't ever throw a bubble screen. There we go with the weird voice. We got it. It's true. Uh, that's my fan voice getting upset at bubble screen. Um, but, you know, when when a team is loading the box and not just selling out against the run, but also selling out for the run in the middle of the field, uh, and they give you those opportunities even when you motion, they don't really make an adjustment to it. Like sometimes USC with motion has three uh, offensive targets on the outside to two DBs. You take that every time, and then you get the two blocks, and then you get 10, 15 yards, and, and they were racking up yards in that. I thought they were really good in that. I, th- I yeah, keep that, and you know, if somebody wants to give it to you, do it even more if you have to. Agreed. What should they not keep? Oh, I got some more keep it. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I didn't really prepare for this section. <laughs> I'm going to give you some of my keep it you want, but I, I, you know, I got some keep it's here. Going for it on fourth down, I'm okay with that. Just, just make them. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, even in the old, when, in the the areas where it's oh, do we want to kick a long field goal? No, go for it, go for it. You got a, a great offense, and you trust your guys. Go for it, just make it. Catch the ball when you're. Seems a little easier said than done. But well, yes. it's not like they're they're the plays weren't there. If you catch the ball, if you're Tyler Petit, yeah. if yeah. if Tyler Petit also on the fourth and goal, it, can you, if he can get that block, there's a difficult one. But if he can get that block, that hole is there for Ronald Jones to run through. Um, Stephen Mitchell had an opportunity. Maybe he made the wrong decision, but trying to cut back, uh, you know, it, it's it's hard to say whether or not that's the wrong decision. Uh, but maybe he could have beat the guy. It just depends. Uh, but that was kind of a fifty-fifty one. So the three the three opportunities where they went for on fourth down, I thought there were three opportunities to make it each time. They just didn't uh, didn't do it. Didn't do it. <laughs> 
Yeah, what else do you got? Uh, Stephen Carr has pass targets. I think it's only going to force mm, I agree. Uh, defensive He's adjustments. Because, you know, if you can get him, like I said, that, that, that jump pass play, they spread everyone out. You, know, you had two wide receivers short out wide. You had two wide receivers run flag routes uh, deep to kind of occupy the safeties. That left him alone with the linebacker one-on-one. I think that's only going to force teams, especially they motioned him out sometimes and did some different things. When you motion him out, right now he's getting a linebacker. If he keeps making these big catches, it's going to be, okay, oh, crap, we need to, we need to move a nickel back out there with him in the game. We're going to have to bring in somebody that's, uh, that's smaller versus the linebacker uh, because he may motion out, or we have to put a safety over there, and then all of a sudden, if he's on one side, it gives Deontay Burnett a little bit extra uh, freedom on the other side. I think he can force defenses to make adjustments, so keep him getting his, his pass targets. And the big playability. That was another uh, keep that I had. You know, they, you know, you had the big play at the end of the half, you know, they had a couple of opportunities. If uh, uh, Velas Jones can catch the ball, you know, they had some big plays, and that's something that was kind of said about this offense. Like, oh, you know, they can drive it, Sam Darnold, but they're not explosive. Well, there were some explosive plays. I think it will get there. I think once a rhythm is found with the wide receivers, it will get there. And if suddenly we Daniel Inventory Bebe, we see him back, I think that really, really helps with the explosiveness. I think they're just kind of working through the kinks right now. I eventually think that it will get sorted out, but who knows? Sooner is better than later. I feel like we've had this exact conversation before. Maybe I'm having deja vu. I don't know. Probably so. All right, I'm going to change it. Do it. All right, I'm going to start with the fans. Complaining about everything. Oh, my goodness. I'm gonna. I, I think. This Can I go on a mini rant about this one? You're done. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna recommend that we institute a complaint for compliment rule. If oh. you want to, you want to place a compl- complaint. You also have to place a compliment. You sound like my mom. <laughs> I'm I'm more of a positive person. You know. Agreed. I I, I try to look at the positive of everything. Then I'll try to see all the sides before I make a judgment. Um, I understand there's things that you want better to be done better. I understand that. You don't have to complain about everything though. Give some credit, like you know, the the, the talk defense. about Bayless Jones. Yeah. You know, Bayless Jones is like, oh, he didn't catch this pass, you know, whatever. But then, you know, some people are trying to say Bayless Jones had really nice punt returns. But then people just jump on and say, oh no, but he didn't catch the ball. Or I I posted a picture of Jalen Green with a really nice block, and the first comments are, well, he couldn't catch the ball. I I didn't didn't ask about his catching ability. I I was referencing something else here. There are other there are photos that you can reference that, or there's a message <laughs> board that you can do that, but. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's institute a complaint for compliment rule, guy. Come on, let's uh, let's be a little bit more positive. Okay, I totally agree. A win is a win. USC is three and zero right now. If they if the team has won, your negativity to positivity ratio should be a little bit equal, if not balanced, because they're three and zero. They're not you past USC teams could have very easily lost this game. Let alone Tom Herman had this matchup circled on his calendar. Clay Hilton said coming into the offseason, he was most worried about facing Texas. And you could tell they were prepared. They wanted to be USC at the Coliseum. This was their game. Like, this was kind of their Super Bowl in a bit, in a, in a way. You know, this was something that they wanted to do. And I think Clay Hilton was right when he said he was thankful that they caught him earlier rather than later because this is going to be a, a dangerous team, especially if uh, Ellinger is uh, as good as he was against USC. Yeah, Herman said, if we play every team in the Big 12 as hard and fi- as physical as we played this team tonight, Homer Road, we'll have a shot to win some games. You know, he realized his team played really well this game. Yeah. They were they were up for the game, and they, they, they schemed pretty well in the game, and it just helps that uh, USC has number 14. Yeah. Yakili Ross game. 
Oh yeah, Sam Darnold too. Uh, that, that, that guy, good. that guy. Uh, also, a couple things I would change: um, pistol passing, use it more. They only pass once out of the pistol, so it became a pretty much if they line up in the pistol, they're going to run the ball, and as much trouble as they had would run the ball, and they've had success at throwing uh, out of the pistol. The this game, I think they had a twenty-seven yard gain out of the pistol, which was a play-action pass that kept a couple tight ends to block. It worked out really well, and also taking advantage of turnovers. This is the biggest one. Oh my goodness! They, they had four turnovers. Here's what they did with them. They lost five yards on the drive. They lost six yards on the drive. And both of those are in plus side uh, turnovers. That's your Jack Jones interception. Um, that's your Christian Rector fumble recovery in the first half. Both of those should have been scores. you got to put points on the board there. Instead, they lost 11 yards. The next time they get a, Mar- uh, a Marvell Tell interception, they get the ball all the way down to 22. They actually drive the ball a little bit. But then the drive ends with a fourth and 36. <laughs> they had uh, a couple of mistakes. They had two penalties back-to-back. And that's it. That's uh, inconceivable. Inconceivable. To to, uh, to reference Princess Bride, which I watched the other night. And then also the, they got in a fumble recovery in the overtime. They got no gain off of it. Eventually they kicked the game on a field goal, but still no yards there. So three turn or four turnovers. You, got, you lost 11 yards on three of them, and then you ended up with fourth and 36 on the fourth one. Not good. I guess this is where I look half full. Because in my mind, I guess someone could be like, oh, blah, 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 turnovers, they didn't capitalize, blah, blah. But in my mind, I'm like, you have Darnold. Like, they're going to figure out the offense and they're going to score. If it was the opposite, if the defense was playing horribly and Darnold was really good, I feel like you'd be more worried because eventually your defense is going to cost you some games. But the defense played really well with injuries. I, I felt like at one point in the game, they were just dropping like flies. And still, the guys who came in who haven't had that many reps, uh, Levette Jones, um, Christian Rector, even though he was getting third down, but like, they played really well. I mean, I guess that's me looking half glass half full, but... No, I agree. The defense was great, which is why I think the offense can help them out by scoring on those. Yeah. And then, like we talked about previously uh, on, on the Facebook Live... It could have been a blown out. Is that if you blown get out. up that extra 14 points, then you can start subbing in some of those guys and exactly. you know you get some extra reps for some of those backups that we haven't seen so far because you're going to be... If you're Clancy Pendergast especially, you're going to be a lot more willing to put somebody in for a series or a couple plays here, a couple plays there if you're up by 17 versus 14 to 10. Or if you're up by 28, which they could have been if they capitalized on all their opportunities. Agreed. Anything else? You good? That's it for it. You good? Okay, we actually have two listener questions. Um, thanks, guys, for sending that to us. Nick says, Nick from Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick 21 USC from the P. Question is, how big is it for Chase McGrath to win a double overtime uh, field goal with Texas? Do you think the coaches played a good game or a bad game? I don't think the coaches played a game at all. I thought they coached a game. It was okay. I mean, Johnny Nansen looks like he was going to run out there sometimes. <laughs> Johnny Nansen is hyped up. I give him that. Um, I, they they were okay in the game. They weren't great. They weren't terrible. Um, how big is it for Chase McGrath? You know, you talked about how he was kind of ice cold after the game. Just yeah, I did this. I did this. Yeah. So uh, you know, I think it's I think the biggest one was getting that first one in. I mean, if he missed the first that second field goal and they lose in the end of regulation, ooh, ooh. now he's zero for two. He has to live with the sting of not tying the game. Yeah, uh, so, that sticks with you. So I think that's you know it's huge for his development, just getting you know to be on an upward trend right now. Lawrence in Chandler, Arizona, skateboard XLB on the parastyle says, I've noticed over the course of the season, the offense seems to play better when they are going up tempo and seem to struggle when they are staring at the sideline and there's not a lot of time between plays. Do you think the Trojans would be better off going hurry up the entire game and not just the last two minutes of a half? I'm torn on this one. I like the hurry up. I, you know, as an offensive player myself, you love the hurry up, get out there and go make plays. However, you, you can get out of rhythm a lot real quick with that too if you get a three and out. Um, 
The one thing I don't like is that when the offensive lineman gets set and then they stare over the sideline, they take some time and they wait because then your linemen are in their stance for a long time. I don't, yeah. I don't really like that. And I don't think you have to go up tempo a ton. I think you should mix it in. I like maybe like Western Michigan did. They did a really good job of just hitting USC occasionally with some up tempo and just getting on the ball and running something. Uh, and having that second play ready to go, um, I, I think they could do some of that. I don't think you want to run no uh, hurry up uh, tempo offense, you know, the Chip Kelly style or something like Arizona State, because of especially because of how much USC plays their starters on defense. You know, they're just going to wear down if they have that many extra plays because the offense is, is going that much quicker. Mm-hmm. Okay, now time for Keely questions. Keely questions. <laughs> um. First off, uh, just for a little injury update, because a lot of people are asking about it, we didn't get an official injury update except for Yuchin Nuosu. Helton said he had a good practice, and he will play on Saturday. Maybe Clay gives some more information today. True, it is Thursday. Thursday post-game. That is a great practice. Um, but as of now, as of recording this... Uh, Thursday at 1.58 p.m. <laughs> yeah, we don't know too much. We know Yuchina is uh, potentially going to play, and we think that Port Augustine is probably out, and probably Daniel Mortabebe as well. Yeah, maybe Rojo. The rest of it were kind of... Coin toss, eh. coin toss. We don't know. Okay, so if Stephen Mitchell is out for the game... Oh, one more. Yes. I think John Houston will be available this week as well. Interesting. Yeah, because he was getting team period. Yeah, so that's the only... And that one, we don't. We haven't done an official update. That's us guessing on that one. Yep. Okay, if Stephen Mitchell is out for the game, this is kind of predictive, who do you think steps up as USC's number two receiver? I think it's going to be Michael Pittman if he gets an opportunity. I think so, too. If he gets an opportunity, he still has not been clear to play in a game. Um, like I said, he, he, they've been saving him a little bit during practice, got him on a little bit of a play count. Maybe he, maybe he only plays a certain amount of plays in the game as well. Uh, but Tyler Vaughn is also there, and mm-hmm. because he got more reps last game, I think his, his stock is only going to increase the league go up. I think Pittman is the type of receiver that USC is really missing right now, just his length, and he has such a strong hands. He's kind of a... He's also got to catch the ball, too. He came back in the spring, and he was coming off, I believe, hand or thumb surgery, and he was struggling to catch the ball at the beginning of the spring. So I know USC has had a bunch of issues. He didn't have many issues in the fall. However, game situation is a little bit different. Yeah, everybody, especially your first game. Yeah, everybody needs to catch the ball. Everybody. Um, If the O-line isn't getting like push and the wrong game is having trouble, um, and receivers are dropping balls, how is it potentially hard for offensive coordinators? Like, how hard is it to try and get a rhythm if you're like, okay... Oh yeah, if you're like if you're UAB and you're playing Alabama, and you're the offense coordinator, you're like, well, I don't know what to do. I've tried this, I've tried that, nothing's working. You try to find what works, you kind of stick with that and build off of it. And that's really all you can do. I mean, so AKA T T was asked, was that one of the hardest games that you were uh, offensive coordinator for? And it was kind of funny. He was like, No, Alabama was really hard. <laughs> I don't know. When you have a whole off season to, to prepare and you can put in new stuff, I, I think that makes it a lot easier than you know the week of and you're trying to. To, to build off a game plan and then making those in-game adjustments. You know, what do you have that you can say, all right, this isn't working. I know we had not practices this week, but this is something we have in our arsenal. We're going to draw this up at halftime and we'll use that. Um, in the same vein, with the receivers having trouble catching, how much does that affect Darnold's mindset? Like how much does, do you think he thinks twice about it? Because Darnold is the type that you don't want him to think about it. You want him to just be instinctive to do it. That jump pass, instinctive. He says instinctive. How much is that affecting his game? I'm curious, and you can't really tell. You'd have to be looking at his eyes and then also have a, you know, an all-22 view of it, you know, that split screen, to tell <laughs> if he's looking and saying, okay, well, that's Joseph Lewis, and I don't know if he's going to catch the ball, or that, you know, that's a freshman there, or 
that's Eric Croman hook. So I don't know if I can throw it. Like I, you can't really tell if he doesn't have that confidence in players yet. He's thrown to everyone else. He hasn't really thrown to Joseph Lewis. That's the only reason why I bring him up. He's only got one target, and he, you know, he had a reception on a screen pass. Um, you know, I don't think he's like, oh, that guy's wide open, but he might drop it, so I better not throw it there. But how much he he has that so much confidence in Deontay Burnett that he can he like the throw in the back of the end zone. You can't see Deontay in the you know from the spider cam. However, he throws it to a spot and lets Deontay go get it. Um, you know, how much confidence does he have in Tyler Petit to do that? Or you know, Tyler Petit actually. The throw that was behind him, the one up the seam, uh, where, you know, everybody was like, oh, he's got to make a, you know, he's got to be more athletic, make more. He actually, when he turned his head, Tyler Petit starts kind of veering towards the middle of the field. I don't know if he purposely did that. I don't think he did, but he was running basically right up the, the hash marks, one step inside the hash marks, straight up the hash marks, and Sam Darnold throws it in that, that area. Um, and, but when Tyler Petit turned his head to look for the ball, he kind of veered just a little bit towards the inside. And that's what made that throw look like it was so far behind him. Uh, I didn't see that originally, but when I was watching tape last night, you know, saw that and it kind of stood out. And those are the things where, cause Sam throws things before guys turn their head like the Steven Carr, he throws yeah. it and he threw a little more loft on it just because he hadn't turned his head. Um, so guys have to get their heads around, be prepared for the ball. And then when it comes to you, catch it. And then, uh, you know, as Sam, you know, if you show Sam that you can catch the ball, he'll you know give you those opportunities. The go back to the Stanford game, the third down with Deontay, he makes the one-handed tip catch. He, personally, I would ne- I would never tell a quarterback to throw that ball because yeah. he threw it. The defenders all over him, and he just gave Deontay that opportunity. He's like, you go, you go get it. There's a couple catches last year with Darius where Darius snatches the ball away, where he throws it up, and you're like, that's not necessarily a good throw, but he has that much confidence in those guys to to make the play, and they did. So how much of it, of this has Darnold always been this way, and we're just now seeing this because he doesn't have receivers that necessarily can? I think bring it's it part in? of it. Yeah, I think like you know, I, there were some times last year. I'm like that; those are dangerous throws, and yeah. I kind of thought this off season he might have more interceptions because he didn't have the same receivers coming back. He didn't have the same rapport with them, and there were some throws. Um, you remember when Cody Kessler and Stephen Mitchell just seemed like they never could get on the right page? <laughs> yeah. You know, those interceptions went to Kessler, but maybe it was Stephen Mitchell. They yeah, just yeah, weren't on yeah. the same page. He turned one way versus the other. I thought Sam might have some more of those this year. Um, and we've seen, you know, not necessarily that, you know, a guy turns the wrong way, but just they're not quite on the same page. Maybe it, you know, gets better or maybe it gets Daniel Mortabebe back. And because him and Deontay, the reason why they're so good is because they were on scout team for a whole year. Yeah. They practiced together all the time, and the defense had to go up against that. Um, so you don't want Sam to change. You don't want him to say, yeah. no, you don't. You don't want him to, okay, I don't know if I can throw to this guy. But T. Martin said, you know, being a court, previous quarterback, is, you know, sometimes you, you, you get worried about throwing it to certain guys. Which is what you don't want. You that's don't want why, that. USC fans do not want that to happen because that's his special yeah. sauce. Yeah. You don't <laughs> want any second guess. You don't want any second guessing ever. That's the whole thing with second year in the defense with Clancy Pendergrass. Oh, we can. We can just play and not think. Yeah. You don't want second-guessing. You don't ever want to go, oh, should I do this? Just do it. Just do it. But in that sense. Nike style. Yeah. Uh, we saw a lot of the wide receivers um, doing extra reps of the jug machine. T was, like, hitting them with, like, pads and pulling on their arms. They they didn't really change the quantity of reps with Darnold in practice as far as, like, uh, receiving drills. Should that be a thing? Should they have more chemistry with Sam? Like, how much is it? That's an off-season thing because you don't. You can't. You can't. You're do only going to throw so many throws in a day for a quarterback. That's you don't want to wear out the arm. 
Uh, one of the things I did like this week is that uh, after Tuesday's practice, it's been a little, not a ton of time, but a little bit of time throwing some deep balls. Um, and you know, I would love to see a DB just get out there and kind of run with a player, uh, just to give them that full look because you throw a deep ball and a guy's jogging, it's much different than when you get in the game, they go full speed. Now all of a sudden, that four inches off the fingertips versus in the bread basket. So, uh, you know, that's one area of the offense is still missing. They don't have the deep ball threat yet. Uh, they've got to get Velas Jones connected. Uh, impromptu question, if you want. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan so, Abraham is just jumping to, into our podcast to. right now. We've got a question. Uh, baseball has the concept of an error, where a fielder's error doesn't count against the pitcher's stats. Does the NFL use a similar approach in judging college QBs for the draft? I would say so. I ask because so many of Sam Darnold's good passes are being dropped outright or worse, tipped into another hand, other team's hands. His stats don't reflect his play. I understand the NCAA may not want to incorporate an error ruling, but it seems this might be a valuable tool for an NFL team's assessment of true ability, both uh, for better and worse. Thank you. Can't end without a fight on because although our daughter is a Trojan, I'm only a parent. Or I can't end with a fight on. Not without. Sorry. Um, you can still get one, Jennifer. It's if you, okay. If you pay tuition, you can fight on all oh, yeah. you want. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, Jennifer and Williamsburg, VA. Thanks for the question, Jennifer. Um, I think, you know, if you listen to Daniel Jeremiah, he was kind of, you know, mm-hmm. he was a previous uh, NFL scout. And he wrote about, you know, Sam Darnold and that the stats are misleading. I think if you're a scout, you're not, you don't look at the stats. I know I, I talked to a lot of baseball scouts during the spring. That's not what they're looking at. You know, you look at a guy and you're like, why are they, why is everybody on this guy? He's got like a 60 ERA and, you know, he gets blown up. Oh, because he throws 97. You know, they're looking for tools, and that's what an NFL coach is. I mean, NFL scouts are looking for too, and they're going to look at that. Now, if you're lazy, yeah, you look at stats. You say, oh, well, they throw, well, maybe we'll pass on them. Just, no, you're not going to look at the stats. You want tools. Tools. Because you always think that, okay, when we put him in our system, he's going to do this and this. When we, when we put him with our receivers, he's going to do this and this. Mm-hmm. So rather than, well, I don't know. It, their receivers are probably the same as ours. You know, yeah, our, exactly. our, our NFL receivers are going to drop balls. Just No, you're not going to think that. It doesn't work like that. Um, so how important is it for USC to get up early against Cal with all the injuries? And then you also have uh, Wazoo looming, a six-day turnaround. I, I can't say it's important because I think Cal's a, a good team. Would it be great? Yes, for yes. USC. You can't say it's important because that's like, oh, Cal's terrible. You know, it's, it's important to get up. Yeah. No. It, yeah. Okay. I think it's be. I think it would be great if they could because you you have so many nicks and bruises and you give some guys a couple plays off. Uh, if this was the game four or five years ago where they had the punt return for a touchdown, I think they had a defensive touchdown. That would be key for USC. Are you talking about the Dory game? No. Uh, oh. Two times back playing in, oh, in Berkeley. Okay. So uh, five years ago now, I believe. But also, I mean, last time they were up in Berkeley, they, they had the the Dory touchdown. His first pick six as a DB. Yep, and that game was still close towards the end, too. Yeah. So, you know, the, the game four or five years ago, they were able to break out to a big lead early. I think it was like 31 nothing or something. That, even last year, they got out to a big lead and Cal came back a little bit. Uh, so you have to you can't put your, take your foot off the gas with a high-powered offense. Uh, is this the same offense as last year? Not quite, especially if Demetrius Robertson's not available. You know, their star wide receiver – Georgia kid, got to give rep for for my Georgia kids. Um, <laughs> Always, but uh, if he's not able to go with a knee injury, then that's a big blow to them, especially after losing Trey Watson for the season already. They're running back, so you know they have some weapons, but without those two, they're not as explosive as they were last year. So if you can get up, you can start doing that. So what are you expecting from this game? Uh, trouble for USC, I think. Just a little uh, in bit. the sense of a trap game, or not as easy as one might expect. Not as easy as one might expect. 
you know, I think Cal has a chance to to make some noise, and especially if USC doesn't take advantage of the opportunities they have offensively, like they did the turnovers, or if they have turnovers like they've had issues with previously. I think this could be a game, especially with all the injuries and just just kind of the battle wounds that they suffered the last couple of weeks with some physical teams. Uh, that I don't think this is one you can go in and be like, okay, they're gonna blow them out. Or if you're a fan, let's go tailgate real hard because we don't really have to pay attention to the game because it's gonna be a blowout anyways. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You just looked like you were going to say something more, and then... No, that's it. All right. Anything I'm, run, else? I'm running out of voice. I know. And Ryan's running out of voice. He did way more than we did as far as podcasts go. <laughs> Any final thoughts? Final thoughts? Um, What's your favorite thing about San Francisco? <laughs> my favorite thing about San Francisco? Not the weather. It's way too cold at night. Um, Agreed. But I do enjoy that you get your exercise in, going up and down hills and stuff. That's such a you answer. <laughs> I don't know. I like that's the fact. So boring. That, I like the fact that there's five or six schools within an hour. Yeah, that's drive cool. from everywhere. That's cool. The culture, the sightseeing, anything exciting. Uh, I've never really gone sightseeing there. I always go for work. Weird. Hmm. Odd. Work, 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 work. I'm having that. Okay. <laughs> well, that's it we'll for end the. On that. <laughs> yeah, that's it for the Family Feud podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we'll see you next week. Peace out.